Hello and welcome to the Adventure Game Club podcast. This month we are playing Flight of the Amazon Queen. This was our game for May 2022. I'm your host, Michael, and with us today we have Martine. Hello. Amy. Hello. And Jeremy. Hello. This was a point-and-click adventure game by Interactive Binary Illusions released in 1995 for the Amiga and DOS. It was later re-released as freeware in 2004 for use with ScumVM. I guess, who's played this game before? Uh, I, I totally have. Um, I think I played it when it came out, more or less. I mean, you said 1995, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the official release date. That sounds right. Yeah, I was I was 12 years old in that year. And yeah, I have vivid memories of playing this. So I, I'm sure it wasn't much later than that. So uh, yeah, I was all over it, to be honest. I, I have never played it in between, like between then and now. So it was kind of bizarre because I had forgotten like almost everything. But <laughs> every time you entered a new screen, I was like, oh, yeah, this. You know, I was never sure what was going to be next. But every time something came up, then I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually I, I realized while playing it again now that I was a really big fan of this game back in the day. Like, I think this was one of my favorite point-and-click adventure games that year. So was kind of fun to revisit it and realize just I mean this is I'm not gonna say this is an amazing game or or anything I mean it's I don't know it kind of hits me in the right way but because of the nostalgia but yeah at the time I just thought this this was genuinely good (laughs) yeah so were you playing other adventure games at the time as well yeah all the time all the time I was like yeah I played all the adventure games, like all the Sierra ones and the Lucas ones and yeah, everything. I I didn't really know that. I mean, I didn't really know who made what or anything. So I had no concept of studios or or publishers or to me, they were just all sort of the same type of game. I didn't even think about who made them. Like, I don't know, people making games that was not on my mind, but I did realize that this um it's very similar to the Lucas games, isn't it? In terms of like UI and and, and how it works with the verbs down below. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah, it was yeah, we'll get into the history later. But yeah, it was strongly influenced by Monkey Island. Hmm. I think it was the one that they played Monkey Island and were like, oh, we gotta make one of these. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way I realized this is not by the same people at the time. Like, I was just 12 <laughs> years old. I saw the verbs. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know these verby games. That's that's how far it went with me. So <laughs> I didn't think beyond that. <laughs> I feel like even the animation style is similar to the LucasArts. Like, the way they they've kind of flopped their heads around when they're talking and stuff like that. Like, it feels yeah. very Indiana Jones. Hmm, for sure. I think, in general, this game feels a lot like an Indiana Jones game. I mean... The main character might as well be Indiana Jones. And most of the story would make sense. Yeah, it's very much inspired by Indiana Jones and similar uh, Hammy B movies, one could say. (laughs) Hmm. I'm trying to think of the other influences, but anyway, yeah, uh, I guess Raiders of the Lost Ark was a big influence as well. I think yeah. there were lots of Indiana Jones inspired things as well around the 80s, early 90s. I mean, there were lots of yeah. uh, B movie Indiana Jones type things. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, you also hit it on the head when you said that it's a pulp fiction esque. Mm. Uh, not, not as in the movie pulp fiction, but that genre of, of pulpy stories. Flash Gordon and whatnot, it's very much set in that kind of uh, hero style. (laughs) 
Yeah, it even kind of like references comic books a lot as well. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. You can tell it's just like, yeah, Commander Rocket is a huge presence in this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did did other people play it before? I have no. I don't think I've ever played it. Um, I might. I might have touched it on, like, grabbed it on Underdogs as a teenager and, like, played five minutes of it. But honestly, like, I could, I get it confused with Lure of the Temptress just because the names are sort of similar and they both are were released as freeware for ScumVM. Mm-hmm. But it's the Lure of the Temptress is not the same game as this at all. They're, they're very different, though they did come out around the same time. Nah, not really. Well, well Lure of the Temptress, Temptress was a few years earlier, I think. Yeah. But, but it's it's... It's kind of the same era of of mid nineties games. I feel. Um, yeah. I don't think the titles are similar size from the off the part. Yeah, so. that's, that's enough. You know, yeah, it's, it's a thing of the other thing. The thing. <laughs> <laughs> they both got re-released as freeware around the same time. I think, right? Yeah, I feel Maybe. like that's probably yeah. part of it. Yeah, I played it when it when it became freeware. I think uh, mid two thousands. Uh, I'm pretty sure I played it on ScumVM back then. I had seen it before that, but I never really got access or gotten around to it. And then came upon it and was like, okay, well, I like this kind of game, so let's check it out. And I I really enjoyed it, even though I think I was maybe a little bit older than the than the general category <laughs> age. Uh, that I was aiming at, like Martin, you were saying that you played it around the yeah. age of 12. And yeah. I think that was kind of the main target audience, probably, because it, sure. it is it is a bit immature. You think? <laughs> <You> could... <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I, but I, I think that's also very much related to the early to mid-90s. It was kind of the Wild West of... Uh, these games starting to become a thing, um, a bit more mainstream, and yeah, just the experimental. They could do whatever they wanted, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess these guys they had already kind of made very immature yet also mature games with blood and such a lot before that. I think, and I guess they just wanted to make something that also kind of had those immature teams yet was more uh, adventure game <laughs> pulp-ish. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of um, the backstory of Simon the Sorcerer, which is also by a studio who had been making games for a while and then they saw Monkey Island essentially and, and figured, oh, we can do this as well. And then, yeah, uh, Adventure Soft, they're called, but actually... That was um, a, a continuation of, of a previous. I think they like they like started a new series, a, a studio just for making Simon oh. the Sorcerer. But they were active before doing other kind of stuff. I don't know exactly. I think dungeon crawling stuff or something. Yeah, yeah they so were they had soft, done right. Yes, yep, horror soft, and they made a couple Elvira games. Yeah. Oh right, Waxworks. Yeah, I think it was just a thing in the nineties to suddenly pivot to making uh lucas type adventure games because there are several yeah. studios like this yeah well yeah i was gonna say maybe not in the u.s but yeah i i think that comes through well yeah they, so they yeah. made halloween harry was the, our alien carnage is it has like two names but that was their previous game is like this 2d platformer game that was released through apogee i think oh and that sounds right and um, it's freeware now. They also made this game freeware, but um, I don't know. I, I'm going to call it gory. Like there, it's very cartoonish. Yeah. Um, yeah, cartoon gory horrorish. That's yeah. what I meant earlier with kind of bloody, but it, it's a mix of mature and immature <laughs> style. Yeah, really aimed at children. Like children thinking this is cool stuff. That's really yes, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> so who who was who was this by? Did you say Michael? Like oh, who? this was by um by Interactive Binary Illusions. All right, the name they were. Um, uh, it was a Australians. very small. <laughs> yes, yep. 
um, they had started because they made a Halloween Harry. I don't know. It's really just a studio that's just like a couple people. Hmm. Um, and some of them made games before Halloween Harry. So it, I don't really remember what the yeah it was it was two guys uh who kind of started making games around i think high school to college and then they (laughs) started doing that uh, for a living and they made halloween harry and then indeed branched off into adventure game style but yeah they were australians and i think it was very unusual at the time for australian games to to really get published worldwide and, and mm. become known because I know there were um, other Australian <laughs> games before that or around the time that were like very obscure. The, what's that one called again? It's There's an absolutely crazy Australian adventure game. Um, that's... It's, it's, it's kind of Crocodile Dundee-ish, but it, it goes absolutely whack <laughs> with its story and, <laughs> and, and everything. And Dundee itself is already like this B version of Indiana Jones again. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. They're into that stuff, Australians. Oh, Down Under Dan, are you thinking? Yeah, D- Down oh, Under Dan, that's God. the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's like that's that's below B level. I feel that's like C level. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I feel like that was kind of more the the level that many Australian or I don't know. I I never knew about many Australian developers in like the nineties and no, it doesn't so being big. Yeah, yeah, it seems its own world. The Australian game development community. Yeah, but. Yeah, I think they got it out worldwide because they got a UK publisher. Ah, that definitely helps. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at interactive binary illusions on Moby Games right now. And it literally just lists two games. They made Alien Carnage and Flight of the Amazon Queen, and that's it. Yeah, but they continued so they continued to work on other games after. They just kind of changed their name a few times so it's uh. a little confusing so um I was, yeah i'm looking at moby games as well they after this game they worked on zombie wars which is a sequel to halloween harry um but that's under the developer name gwiz entertainment but it's hmm. the same developers right still um john passfield and steven i'm so sorry that i'm gonna mess up this last name but the stam I'm sorry, but Stephen and John, uh, it's basically the two people. Um, and so they continued to work together hmm. after this. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, it, cool. yeah. So I don't, I don't know why they changed the name, but, um, they both had a long, I think they both, yeah. Like Ty, the Tasmanian tiger, that's 2002. They're still working together. Huh. Um, so they had a long history and so. Um, even though it looks like a Moby games that they just kind of yeah, I see now because if you click, if you click on John Passfield's name, for example, then a whole long list pops up of games he worked on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's done a lot under various mm. studio names and including yeah. Barbie Beach Vacation in two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. whatever pays the bills. You know. <laughs> exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm not judging. <laughs> But yeah, like Tight Tasmanian Tiger, and more recently he did some Apple Watch games, yeah. um, which he talked about in that making off he did, and probably also in that that interview video that you shared, Michael, uh, that he did at the start of this year or so. But I haven't watched yeah. it yet, sadly. Um, um, we'll link that in the show notes, but yeah, it's a nice little... I think 40 minute video about the making of flight of the Amazon queen. Um, which is, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think he's done like a mix of experimental and mainstream games. And I think that's why he's kind of, he, there are games he's pretty known for John Passfield, but he's also very much been outside of the, of the mainstream. (laughs) <laughs> it's just what I'm thinking there. Yeah, so we can get into the history of this. We kind of covered it, but um, 
like I, we said before, they did Halloween Harry. That was, so the studio started in 93. I just looked it up. Um, even though they both, I believe, worked on games before then, they started the studio. Um, I Because I can't... I can't imagine that there's a big games industry in, in Australia at the time, but so they knew each other and decided to start a studio. Um, they had an interesting story. So basically while working on Halloween, Harry, um, John was introduced to monkey Island, I think by the other developer. And so they're like, Oh, this is great. We have to work on one of these. Um, I think they kind of worked on both at the same time, which is kind of nuts to me, um, but also relatable. Um, but yeah, so they worked on the, they developed it on the Amiga. Um, and so there's an interesting story in, uh, that video where they talk about how someone from EA came down to Australia to check out their games and, uh, was not very nice to them. He basically said, um, what's the, like, he saw Halloween Harry running in DOS and said, what's this doing? Platformers never do well. Um, why are you making this? And then with Flight of the Amazon Queen, why are you making this for the Amiga? That's not going to work on there. Like, that's going to be a flop there. And basically just like insulted them and then left. <laughs> um, so that was their experience with EA, um, which, uh, John said basically made him want to work on it even more, just almost out of spite. It just and like <laughs> went through like opened up an Amiga magazine and was just like flipping through and trying to find like any other publishers. And they eventually um, got to I think it was called Renegade, yeah, Renegade Software, hmm. um, which is like the publisher by the Bitmap Brothers. Right. Right. Um, so there's yeah. kind of an Amiga connection there. Yeah, for sure. Um, Didn't although, they do uh, Sensible Soccer? I think. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They've done a lot of stuff. It's sensible Soccer. Um, Gods is a big one. Z. Yeah. Played, um, I like Chaos Machine a lot. Um, oh yeah. So, they're yeah they're a big deal at the time, and he was. He said they were a really good publisher to work with. They got to keep the rights to the game. Uh, the royalty rate was solid. Um, but then during development, or, um, I guess they either got bought or merged with Time Warner hmm. or Warner Brothers, one of them. Um, and so that brings up like, you'll see like, in the U.S., there's some really awful box art that they hate as well, where it's just, they have the, like this great illustration in the rest of the world for the box art. And then in, I'll send it, but like, <clears throat> he's swinging the baseball bat at, towards the person viewing the box and like, it's trying to, it, they tried to make it, look more like an action game it's really weird like there's a tribe chasing after them in the background which is not in the game um <laughs> there's a he's fight oh he's fighting a snake yeah um there's like a cobra and it's like which is another not- indiana jones reference in yeah. a way it's also i'm i'm looking at the the, the screenshot like the box screenshot it's a lot less detailed and a lot it's more, more yes saturated <laughs> it's, like- it's like a kid drew it it's so bad and so I I don't know if that affected sales in the US and maybe it probably did because I never heard of the game until 2004 when I finally tried it. Um, I am so- not completely sure if this was a big hit anywhere, to be honest. I mean, maybe in Australia or maybe in the UK, but I do not remember this game being in shops or discussed in magazines to be honest yeah it wasn't a, a big game but it did okay enough yeah um, yeah it sold yeah. so john said it sold a hundred thousand copies which at the time was okay yeah that's according to him so um it couldn't have been like a flop if they kept making games after but yeah um yeah so it did 
okay, not amazing. I don't. Think. Probably, yeah, it probably didn't also help that it was around the time when when these 2D point and click adventure games started going out of vogue a little bit. Oh. Yeah, uh, the mid nineties. Yeah. Adventure um, games were already dying. They barely started, but they were already dying. Yeah, well, 3D and and the shooters, you know. Yeah, both those at this trends. point you had like Mist, and so it's kind of starting to pivot towards that whole like multimedia type game. Mm-hmm. Uh, adventure game. I think LucasArts was doing The Dig was probably the close and the Full Throttle were the ones yeah. yeah, that came out at that time around I, that time. I feel those games have much higher production value than this. Yeah, this seems like a, a game from a previous generation. Well, yeah, it was also, of course, made on a relatively small budget by a very small and relatively inexperienced studio with mm-hmm. a small publisher. So, of course, yeah. it wouldn't have the same production values. Yeah, I think it's they did like a pretty good job. Uh, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. time, certainly. I mean, and it doesn't really matter now. Oh, sorry. No, I was just thinking that the term indie game was not really used back then. Like to me, I mean, I was not really conscious of how the industry worked, but to me, there were just people making games and that's it. And they were all sort of the same. But of course they weren't. I mean, there were huge differences in studio sizes and yeah. Well, it's funny how like this came out in 95, even though like in the grand scheme of things, like, if you went, if this came out like two years earlier, it would look yeah great, like top of the line, like yeah. And so, like when we're playing it now, it doesn't really matter. In some ways, it's aged better because they weren't doing the weird like CGI, like early CGI type art that mm-hmm. every developer at the time was doing. Um, at least in my opinion, I think mm-hmm. it, it's the graphics hold up. Yeah, yeah, well, it's nice looking. They they came a bit late, but they they stuck to their vision and they didn't pivot to to follow the trend of the time with FMV and CGI, mm-hmm. like you're saying. So I th- I think that's pretty cool cool that they still did that, even though they they must have known that it wasn't going to sell as well as as it as it could have if they had made it more <laughs> like more what fancy. was the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did make their own engine for this though, didn't they? Which I yeah. think was the norm also, maybe. I mean, there yeah. was not like Unity or or something you could just pick up and make a game with as it, as the situation is now. But yeah, I feel there was a big deal in the 90s to make your own engine. Like that was a thing that studios were doing. I uh, guess the Amiga yeah. version was built on Amos, which was like a, a, a basic uh, language. Um, I don't know, extended basic for games. Um, that uh, that was for the Amiga. Um, but like they definitely like built their own tools and stuff for it, uh, kind mm. of on top of that. Um, but like that's a that's a I I'm not aware of a whole lot of commercial Amos games. Like it's it's the one of the developers would go on to develop Click and Play. So like that's kind of oh, where my brain oh, is. Really, that's awesome. Yeah. I did play around with that. And never made anything. <laughs> I think Amos was definitely more like programming, like textual, you type in the code kind of focused. But mm. um. yeah, that's cool. It's it's very much also even the engine is is inspired by Scum, isn't it? Like the Lucas engine. I mean, the whole game is inspired by Lucas style, but also didn't they call it like Jasper or something? Like yeah, also a word, you know, also uh, an acronym like that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But apparently it did work in a different way. I'm not entirely sure how. But uh Yeah. I don't know to say that at least. <laughs> well, I think I think in back in those days it was indeed the case that every studio or every independent developer kind of made their own engine because yeah, indeed mm. they, they had to. Yeah. Um because there were there were indeed not well. Except with like the biggest studios, they had they had the engines that they reuse between games, and that were sometimes shared with with subsidiaries or other studios that they would ask to make games for them. But in general, it was a new new engine per per game, or at least per 
developer or studio. And yeah. so, yeah, they, they just had to make their own thing, kind of. Adventure yeah, games, you know, graphic adventures were always famously, like, the big ones, they always famously had their engine. Like, Sierra had AGI and SCI, and LucasArts had Scum, and, like, even, you know, someone playing it would know. Hmm. Right, like the name of the the engine that powered all these games that they loved. So I think there is. I remember there being a lot of kind of almost like mysticism around. Oh, the you know, LucasArts games are good because they're scum, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, for sure. Yeah, but that probably was also a conscious uh, marketing effort on the behalf of LucasArts and Sierra. Like you, you know, it's in this engine. You know, it's going to be quality. Hmm something like that or you know what it's gonna be like um yeah like also that that was also kind of the trend how how they put either put the game designers designer's name on the box or just said like this this game is by this person so you know they've produced quality before um yeah that was just kind of part of the marketing effort back then Mm, for sure I feel the game is also, I mean, apart from the technical stuff, it's it's also in a game design way, in like like a Lucas game. I mean, you can't get stuck mm-hmm. and and you can't die. It's it just plays like a Lucas game to me. Just a maybe a slightly worse written one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, heavy focus on dialogue trees. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I'm curious if they were aware of the Sierra games because there's like no influence of those on this game at all, as far as I can tell. Like it feel like tonally, it feels like a LucasArts game. It's very silly. Um, you mentioned the verbs and not being able to die or any soft locks. Yeah, no. I don't know. I think the whole industry was kind of moving to this style, even Sierra itself. Yeah. So maybe that's it. I mean, um, what's what's a '95 Sierra adventure? Is King's Quest Seven from '95? I think so. Around that or '94, uh, but like Gabriel Knight Two, yeah, Phantasmagoria. Those games also have more of this. You can't get stuck. You can't die style. Well, you can die in King's Quest Seven, but you can just try again forever. So it's not. It's not the taunting style they had before. Like, oh, you better load your save game. Oh, what do you mean you have no save game? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was their their style in the eighties, you know. But they kind yeah. of dropped that. Yeah. yeah, they were becoming less less punishing. Yeah, um, yeah, more player friendly in For general. Sure. I think. Yeah, exactly. And and Lucas already had this down. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it was also natural then if you if you saw the success of LucasArts games and thought you would like to make a game similar to that, that you would <laughs> take a lot of notes <laughs> mm-hmm. from sure. from their work. Okay, well, I think we should probably also talk about the plot as well. <laughs> you think? Um, <laughs> so what the game is actually about, but I mean... We kind of mentioned before that's like a very pulpy adventure story. Um, I I think we said before, just like like Indiana Jones, and um, I guess the game set in 1949, so around the adventure, uh, not uh, Indiana Jones um, timeline, kinda. It's post World War II, but um, uh, yeah, it's basically you're just this pilot named Joe King. Um, which is a there's great a, bun by itself. <laughs> yeah, joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that comes up a couple times, but yeah. So he's, I mean, he's basically just a pilot and um, working, trying to get his next customer, which is this famous film actress named Faye Russell. Um, he gets ambushed by his other rival, another pilot named Anderson. Um, so he's locked in his hotel room and you basically escape and go on and like help her. Well, she doesn't, she was never kidnapped. You just kind of get her to hire you instead. Um, But yeah, yeah. But basically a storm takes down your plane and you crash land in the Amazon jungle. And while you're there, you find out from exploring the Island that this princess was captured 
yeah. by Floda, which is... Adolf uh, in reverse. <laughs> yes. It's also very obviously dressed like Nazis. Yes. Yeah, they yes. couldn't explicitly say that they were Nazis, but they were Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think... Kind of like a company that's a cover for. Yeah. And it ties yes. into the whole trope of the Nazis moving to South America after World War II. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My understanding was that the publisher told them maybe you you can't really do call you can't make them specifically Nazi because it's not going to sell in Germany. Yeah. So, you can't yeah. show swastikas, I think. I think that's the right. the actual so yeah, they couldn't like outright make them Nazis, but this, Right. So they basically you know, just made them. Uh, it reminds me of like Hydra from like the Marvel stuff, mm. where it's like they're basically Nazis, but yeah, not called yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah. So you, anyway, yeah. So you go on adventures to rescue her, and also um, from this, the leader of Florida, Doctor Frank Ironstein. <laughs> I think is <laughs> who, wants to, um, who wants to turn women into dinosaurs. Yeah, <laughs> that's his that's big his dream plan for taking over the world. Um, and yeah, and you, I mean, it's kind of your, and the gameplay is like a typical point and click adventure game. You're kind of exploring different spots, picking up items, using them to solve puzzles. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. without getting into too much spoiler stuff, that's basically the premise of the game. It's all very unhinged to me. Like, <laughs> I mean, the game opens with this mobster who fires a machine gun at you, and then uh-huh. a dynamite bundle bomb thing explodes, and it all make. I mean, th- this ties n- not into the story at all. This is just, they wanted an explosion, and... They yeah. just wrote a reason to have an explosion. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. I I guess the one the the feedback from the publisher was that like maybe you should have some kind of like intro <laughs> to them. Like yeah. So like they they so they um did a carryover from like a previous adventure, kind of like the Indiana Jones. Yeah. But sometimes do. It, um, it's like so that's just why. A, a day in the life of joking. He's you know <laughs> this is what he does having bombs explode around him, mobs are shooting at him. Just yeah. just another day for joking. It's and, uh, it's also very slapstick comedy style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like in, the, that, in that uh, scene you just mentioned where you're getting sh- chased by the mobsters who are shooting at you. <laughs> the way to, to get out of that is by shooting a large glob of oil onto their windscreen so they crash, which is very typically slapsticky looking. And yeah. then also yeah. things yeah, that I... That's after you escape from the from the hotel where... Yeah. I mean, I feel the whole hotel introduction scene is just um, an excuse to have him put on a women's dress, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah I guess, but I don't think it gets weird about... Like, no, it doesn't... It's like, not, I, I was... When they got into it, I was like, oh, they're going to make, like, mm-hmm. some transphobic joke or something. But they yeah. don't really... They no. don't... I it's think, just like... Yeah. Uh, it's, which was kind of a pleasant surprise yeah, considering it's from yeah, the 90s. That's, that's kind of the thing with this game. Like, it all has the 90s bad taste tropes, but it could have been a lot worse. So it's yeah. all in kind of good spirit, I think. Yeah, indeed. The, the part where Joe changes into that dress, I do find it funny that he pulls a screen up out of nowhere to cover himself while he's mm-hmm. changing. <laughs> That's yeah. also kind of the slapstick that I was thinking, like just just those funny, funny bits over the top. And then also at one point in the jungle, he straps a rocket to his back and he blasts off into the distance with it. And just, I, I do think those, those uh, scenes or those bits kind of make it... I wouldn't say memorable, but they certainly do give it a certain funness. <laughs> yeah, it's just very silly. It never gets. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it ever gets mean. Um, no. So I which think is, they definitely like are yeah, like you said, they they're interested in the you know they use a lot of these kind of '90s tropes or whatever. Um, but I think a lot of the time they're trying to kind of subvert them or or yeah you know, play with them a bit. Um, mm-hmm. usually, usually in a pretty positive way. Yeah, um, even if like, sometimes I, clumsy. Yeah, like the native yeah. village, uh, which it's well-meaning 
And <laughs> the game's on their side, I would say, yeah. because I, they're, it's anti-colonialist to me. But um, yeah, but also, they don't really pull it off, in my opinion. Well, but it's, it's so also colonialist it's, because they're being kind of... <laughs> kind of like, controlled or led by this white guy, Trader Bob. Oh, says. that's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> although I was although trying they, to say, at like, least are kind of in on it. Um, in the end, like there is a conversation you can have with with the tribe leader where he's like, "Yeah, Joe said this is a good idea, and it seems to be working out." Like, I don't know. There's a hand. They also like push out the missionaries. There's like some missionary yeah. characters yeah. that kind oh, of yeah, got yeah. rejected by them and. There's some stuff in the ending where, yeah, um, so yeah, I yeah, I don't think it's well-meaning. I, yeah. I don't think they pull it off, but it's no. not trying to be punching. They're down not trying to them. be edgy, and that's a huge right. plus. And mm-hmm. I think at Especially, the time they didn't maybe even realize that this was an asset to them, like that they were, yeah. It, yeah, it definitely helps it age better. Yeah. Considering, like, how many things from the 90s are trying to be edgy. Yeah. It's just, it's, so it's kind of nice. By, yeah. by the 90s, it feels pretty wholesome. Yeah. Yes. Um, just going for that silliness without indeed being edgy or or trying to really uh, make fun at certain people's expense, particularly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which also, it was indeed a, a refreshing air. <laughs> uh, also, the, the the um, I mean, you fly off to the Amazon and in the end actually meet Amazon. Well, an Amazon queen, don't you save her or something like the yeah. the, the the Amazon women and and one of the. So I mean, that's like that ties into the title, but also your plane is literally called the Amazon Queen. So <laughs> it's I don't know. It's like, it's like everything they came up with, they came up with like two or three things for them and used them all. <laughs> so it's... Yeah, know. it's really, they're throwing in everything. Yeah. To, yes. Well, they like, I think, I don't remember their Star Wars references, but the developer said he was a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. And like, there's a, there's a lot of comic book references and there's a Star Wars voice actor or voice actor from Star Wars in the game, oh. um, in the talkie version. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, William Hookins, who played Porkins, he's in, he's in the first <laughs> oh, Star Wars. Right, yeah. He's one of the X-wing pilots, but mm-hmm. so he's in there. Um, they don't have and, a whole lot of voice actors, I think. I remember doing like actors doing multiple parts. That's what yeah. I remember from the credits, anyway. Yeah, back then that was a big thing, especially for those smaller studios yeah. who couldn't afford a big <laughs> voice actor budget, I think, that they would often reuse, which, like, Sierra also did that with their yeah. first talkies. Yeah. Sierra just had people from the office do the voice <laughs> yeah. acting. <laughs> yeah. This, I think yeah. in comparison, this, the, I kind of like the voice acting of that. It's not bad. No. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. And, like. Yeah, yeah, here, Tom Hill, for example. Uh, Tom Hill is one of the actors. He plays Sparky, Jimmy, the gorilla, Skip, the prisoner with the puppet, Wedgwood, and the guard dog and the monkey. So, you know, that's like <laughs> uh, 10 different characters voiced by Tom Hill. But yeah, it's still, I mean, they're still proper actors. So I think yeah. that still helps. That's a huge step up yeah. from Sierra's. Yes. Uh, uh, for the most part, um, yeah, um, yeah. Can we talk about the gorilla? Or is that a spoiler? <laughs> that's early on. The of course, we can. My, my favorite part of the game, where it's so you, silly, it's this really weird, absurdist humor. Oh, yeah, you meet. So, I'm trying to remember it now because it's so convoluted. But like, you meet a gorilla that's talking. Well, you first you have to play charades with him, and he's like, you just go. Woo, 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 woo right like he's just kind of making gorilla noises and then right it, yeah eventually you you he just starts talking like a normal person is it like was that like you give him a banana you have to give him a banana at some point but yeah anyway mm-hmm. the the puzzles you have to convince some that talking gorillas don't exist is that it it's like yeah. gorillas aren't aren't in south america they're in africa so you yeah. shouldn't be here 
Yeah, and, yeah. and then he just walks off. Like, yeah, okay. You like? Oh, no, it doesn't, he doesn't even walk not. off. It's like this crazy animation where he like shrivels up and turns it like disappears in a puff of smoke. Basically, yes. <laughs> it's incredible, That's amazing. And but then you run into him again. Exactly. And he's disguised as a dinosaur. Yes. <laughs> just like well, and then the puzzle is just to like get him to acknowledge that he doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just maximally making use of the fact that you can just talk to him endlessly and try different options. And eventually you'll just talk him out of existing. And then he, I think, I think the, the, the idea with these puzzles is that um, you, as a player, maybe you don't realize that you can talk him out of existence. So you're maybe trying to look <laughs> for objects or stuff, you know, to handle this gorilla. But it turns out you don't need anything. You just need, perseverance with the dialogue tree and yeah it's mm-hmm. just very funny and silly yeah, i i, I thought it was, i i enjoyed it yeah there's no story reason for it to be there there's no like <laughs> pu- difficult puzzle or anything it's just there's no. a gorilla that you have to you know have this ridiculous conversation with they just put it in there because they thought it was funny yeah 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 and i think that's kind of the whole game yeah, yeah. i was just funny. about to say that yeah <laughs> I think the developers just thought, hey, there's a, let's put a talking ape in. Hey, let's put a villain in who wants to turn Amazonian women into dinosaur warriors by infusing them with raptor DNA. Just the craziest of the wall IDs. And they just put it all in and made it work somehow. Yeah. I think it's genuinely funny, this gorilla business. Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's good. And then... Yeah, so I think that's kind of the whole game. I mean, yeah, so when it came out, it did fine. Um, so I I don't know if it really had like a big influence on other games or anything. Um, no. It seemed like it got kind of like a second life when it was made freeware and added to ScumVM. That's how I discovered it. Mm-hmm. Um and then, yeah, it eventually got a mobile one. I did, did anyone here play the mobile one or the re-release, the 20th anniversary edition? I no. have seen gameplay of it, but I haven't played it myself. But I think it did okay for a for a mobile re-release remake. And apparently, they did put quite a bit of effort into the remake because it's it's it had a full voice acting that the DOS version didn't, but the Amiga version. No. The DOS no, version the, totally has. Yeah, the, no, no, yeah. No, I, I was mixing up the Mika version didn't, but the DOS version did uh, have the voice acting. Yeah. But then they also, let me check here what they say about it. Um, oh, I'm thinking of like the 25th anniversary edition, maybe that's it. Uh, but I was looking, yeah, it got voice acting, but in the DOS version, I was trying to, th- but there's also a re-release that happened, I guess last year, hmm. according to Steam. That's the 25th anniversary edition. Mm-hmm. or. I think it added some little quality of life. Yeah, I think that's. Improved. I think that they brought the quality of life updates that they did for the mobile uh, edition, the twentieth anniversary edition that they brought us okay. over to to the PC version. Yeah, it looks um, like it like added hotspot highlighting. If they'd that's added not... fast travel, I would have paid for it. <laughs> that would have been nice. Yeah, I think um, that was one of my worst points. Yeah. yeah, there is a lot of backtracking. Also, there's just a lot of screens in general. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You're in a jungle, it's a big place, but yeah, you are constantly going from the very edge of the map to the other edge of the map. And yeah, yeah. the, the <laughs> whole. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was just going to say the whole game kind of feels like just walking around and trying to find uh, objects to to use and then you don't immediately know where to use them and then suddenly you find a use for them mm-hmm. both both in the jungle and in the temple that you end up in it's just going yeah. all over the place constantly <laughs> yeah even if you know what to do and you're efficient about it you're still walking like mm-hmm. just from from the one side to the other side of the game all the time yeah so. yeah <laughs> well, yeah i enjoyed the game but there was a, like definitely a couple parts where I knew what I had to do, mm-hmm. and I, but it was just like walk to the village, walk to the fort. Like I had to just go back and forth a couple of times, and it was so tedious because he's not the fastest 
walker either. There's no fast travel. There's no... <laughs> well, that's like, the thing. Like, Sierra Games had a, had a speed slider for your character. And Lucas Games allowed you to double-click to instantly move to where you wanted to go. But this game is neither. So, yeah, yeah, you're just sitting there waiting for him to... And he has this leisurely stroll. He's not, like, running or making an effort <laughs> at all. He's like, oh, yeah. I mean, he's got all the time in the world. And uh, as yeah. a kid, I thought it was really cool. But now I think, okay, Joe, we, you have things to do, Joe. We're not all... <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely one of the parts of the game that, that doesn't hold up quite as well. Yeah. Um yeah, especially when compared to indeed uh, LucasArts or Sierra games. So I, I think it's probably it probably had to do with the inexperience of the developers. Yeah. Uh, in that style of game. Also, interestingly, when I looked at the speedrun, um, you're right that there generally isn't fast travel. But I noticed that in the temple segment, they do indeed like warp out of a room if they if they click uh, on like hallways that go to another screen. In a, in a few screens, but it, huh. it only seems oh. to be in a few screens in the temple. Oh, weird. I didn't notice it okay. anywhere else. Huh. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> that whole temple section is kind of weird. It feels kind of, well, it's not out of place because it's narratively, it makes sense, but it plays very differently than the rest of the game to me. Like, Yeah, it feels a lot more... Like a close maze. or secluded, mazy, whereas with the jungle, it's... It's also kind of mazy, but it feels a lot more open. Yeah. It's, it's, it has a more open world feel to feel there's these yeah. multiple locations. And then in the temple, you're just stuck in, in, in the temple and kind of indeed going through a maze, finding, trying to find your way out. Mm-hmm. I still enjoyed it more than the fate of Atlantis yeah. temple. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That's uh, a very dis- divisive thing to say, Mike. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I like Fate of Atlantis. I think I I think maybe I like Fate of Atlantis more overall. But like, I just remember that temple being yeah yeah slog at the Atlantis <laughs> is rough. And, and, and speaking of Indiana Jones again and the temple, um, isn't the goal in Flight of the Amazon Queen to find? The Crystal Skull, <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. which literally is an Indiana Jones story that yeah. they made later. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One wonders if uh, so, where where they got the inspiration exactly. for the Crystal Who's Skull movie. Off from, yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> oh. I mean, we know but, Steven Spielberg liked adventure games, so... I'm sure he was yeah. all over Flight of the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Who knows? <laughs> get him on the podcast. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, and so it seems like it. It kind of had a legacy, it, and then early, I think, was it earlier this year? They just announced a sequel <laughs> after, yeah, or late last year, Return of the Amazon Queen. Oh, um, that's right! I heard about that. I forgot that they already had a title for it, but they didn't know that they were that they announced that they were working on a sequel. And actually, John Passfield, I've had a little bit of contact with him because in the Adventure Chat community, he reached out to talk about uh, working with the Power Quest engine for Unity yeah. for the for the new sequel. So he's using that. So that's yeah, awesome. which is, um, I guess, yeah, I. I guess the, I don't think this is why he went with it, but I think isn't Power Quest by Australian? Yeah, yeah. Game does Power Hoof. Power, Power Hoof I, is an Australian game dev studio, indeed. Oh, uh, so but yeah, it's, think, Power Quest is like perfect for this kind of game mm-hmm. for a for a kind of typical ish looking two D point and click adventure game. That's that's exactly what what that engine is made for. So it's it's perfect. Yeah. Well, it looks exactly like Adventure Game Studio. It's kind of like Adventure Game Studio if it was ported to Unity. From my very, yeah, yeah. very brief amount of tinkering, yeah. I don't, you've worked with it, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a more modern Adventure Game Studio for use with yeah. Unity. But it, yeah, it works pretty pretty well. And it just makes That's it cool. very simple to to script scenes and put the game together. It's kind of nice thing that he's like engaged with the modern adventure game community too. Yeah. Instead of just like, not that I'm accusing any other devs of doing this, but like, <laughs> uh, like after not being involved with like adventure games and then just coming back and kind of 
doing their own. Like, it seems like there's a genuine interest in what people. Yeah, Hmm. I I think he can get away with it because he's not like a big celebrity like the Sierra and LucasArts steps. If they were to suddenly join the in the adventure game community, that would that would kind of cause (laughs) (laughs) a riot. Aren't aren't they also kind of doing that? I mean, isn't uh, like the 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 Roberta Williams and 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 Ken Williams aren't they kind of approaching the the, the, the yeah, kind of like space bus historians. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's going through intermediaries, intermediaries like the space quest historian mostly that that coming communication like Roberta and Ken and such. They're not hmm. uh, really joining uh, the Discord communities and being active uh, there themselves. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's mostly communication going through others, but they they are aware and they they yeah. do have some connection with it, but it's it's not exactly the same as like personally reaching out and and talking and being active there i'm looking Um, at the trailer by the way it's it's on uh, amazonqueengame.com which is the website of return of the amazon queen and it looks really good so i haven't seen the trailer i think or yeah it's in a desert it's not it's not the amazon it's i think they're going to the middle east that's what it looks like anyway it's like (laughs) it's got it's got camels and everything cool okay so it looks great, to be honest. That's cool. He said in the I I wanna pick it up, but like I think he said in that video that we've talked about a couple of times that that was recorded earlier this year. Hmm. And someone asked him about when this game's coming out, and he said it's not going to be for a while because it's just I, I don't know if he's working on it in his spare time. Uh. Um, but he's mentioned like he has like a family and stuff now, so he can't just like crunch away on it like yeah you know someone maybe in their 20s like he is a, i think he must have been in his like early 20s yeah, yeah. when he worked on the original game yeah um, it's very young and so it's a little different now but he, he said he really liked working with power quest and that that saved a lot of time versus like oh back in the day everyone just oh, wrote yeah, their own engine mm-hmm. it's a world of difference yeah um you for such a big game, I can imagine that you do need to customize it quite a bit. But you all, you pretty much already have a functional game engine right out of the box. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, cool. yeah, it's very nice. I I enjoyed that you can just uh, download it pretty much, put it in in Unity, and just start putting art and content in, and just start plugging away at making a game like for game jams and small indie games. Of this style, it's it's perfect, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, you did. So you did a couple now, I think, at this point, like for Adventure Jam. Yeah, I, I made Who Field, which is kind of... Um, it was originally inspired both by uh, Seinfeld and uh, <laughs> a bit of a homage to the Power Hoof guys. Because, I don't know, the guy who who works with me on these games, Suckland Big, and he was like, oh, I have this cool ID and I want to do this and this. And it, and the art that he made looked really cool. And I was like, okay, just let's just run with it. And so it's just really, really silly uh, sitcom-esque uh, <laughs> small games that are just kind of paying homage to, to, to these developers while also making tons of fun of them and of Australian slang and culture and... And just very silly in general. It's it's kind of it's kind of our modern flight of the Amazon Queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We we just did episode two for for Adventure Jam this year, so that was earlier this month. Well, I'm still thinking it's June. We're we're now July, but it was was in June a few weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, we we couldn't get all nearly all of our vision for episode two done. So. It's kind of a preview or a rough preview of the full scope that we have. Okay. Uh, but uh, episode one is is playable, and it's I think it's a good start. <laughs> if you, it's it's it like takes like ten to fifteen minutes at most, uh, and then episode two you can play in five to ten minutes, and it's just wacky, silly Australian jokes romp. <laughs> okay. If you yeah. So- 
we'll have to link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah. So I guess to kind of sort of wrap this up, uh, would you, would everyone recommend this game or how do you feel about it in your most recent playthrough? Come oh, on. Someone else someone. talk first. I actually had a couple, couple of things that I really wanted to shout out that I really enjoyed. Um, okay. Like one is just the, the whole, you know, going over the voice acting, like the, the whole comic book scene where you're reading the commander rocket comic, I thought was hysterical. <laughs> like mm-hmm. just, yeah just very like a whole comic yeah in there basically and it's just it's so goofy um and the the voice acting really adds to it which is not something you would think about like reading a comic book but like um i just thought that was great um i i appreciate how like your goal obviously your plane crashes and your goal is like okay well we got to find a way out of the amazon got to find a telephone and, you know, call this, you know, company to get us out of here. And there's like, there's no way to find a telephone. Like you mm-hmm. never find, you never call anyone. You instead get wrapped up in all these ridiculous things and like, oh, you have to save the princess, Joe. You know. Uh, yeah, which, you have uh, to fight the Nazis. Come on. Come on, yeah. Joe. Yeah, exactly. You have to save the world. It pretty much comes yeah. down Come to on, that. Fight, or at least, fight the dinosaurs. Yeah. Come on. You know, you got to fix this whole dinosaur <laughs> laser situation, right? Like, yeah. And you, and, you, and you have to save the valley by... Uh, turning the 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 evil mad scientist who has turned himself into a, a kaiju dinosaur. Uh, yeah, yeah you end- just kind of have to destroy him with this laser that you have. <laughs> the ending is incredible. Um, oh, it's very ridiculous. So over the top. My my son was watching me play at that point, and he hadn't he wasn't like watching most of the rest of the game. He's like, "What's happening right now?" I'm like, it's not doesn't make more sense in context. No, like it's just it's just so goofy and so yeah. Suddenly yeah. it's just like that the the mad scientist going kaiju and then fighting against the the valley protector robot who is who grows massive as well, and they're just duking yeah. it out while you're trying to to resolve the situation. <laughs> Yeah, there like, are several telephones, by the way. Yeah, none of them work. None no. of you or you can't use them. <laughs> exactly, that's great. But they show up. <laughs> also, like the, I just wanted to mention this, like with the '90s tropes that we were discussing earlier, um, with the the Amazon queen who's called Azura, who who, yeah, you you have to rescue her from from the Nazi base, and then also sort of other stuff happens but when you when you bust her out of jail you you have only just joe joe king has literally only just met her and talked with her uh, like in kind of introducing himself and saying yeah i'll get you out of here and then he he opens the the jail and and instantly they they seem to fall in love and kiss and it's like such such a stereotypical tropey thing it's it's a beautiful woman of course he's in love like instant (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's kind of fun to replay this game now i i don't i think it's hard to not recommend it if you're into adventure games since it's free i mean you can just Mm -hmm. go to scum vm's website and get it and play it so i mean why wouldn't you um yeah but what's kind of fun is that at the time when i played it when i was a kid i just genuinely thought this was a cool story like oh yeah this is intense and now i can see that it's ridiculous and it's really <laughs> funny but at the time i didn't pick up on this at all i just thought wow this joking is a cool guy and he's 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 caught up in a in an intense adventure you know but yeah so yeah that's, that's how it is for kids yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly that's why it's a target audience but i think it really works well and i think it's still also enjoyable for adults to play yeah. even now. It, it, yeah. yeah, it doesn't 100% hold up in some ways, like we've said earlier, no fast travel. The story is kind of sometimes a bit over the place. Um, and yeah, the, the the comedy hasn't all aged the most well all the time, but it still generally works, I think. Yeah, it's, it's uh, just very yeah. silly. But if you're into that, then it's fine. Yeah, it's not it's a, a very... Sh- hmm? Oh, sorry, I was going to say it's just a very light, 
breezy game. Like it was yes. like the perfect thing for me to play after something like Norco. Yes. Where it's just very <laughs> exactly. heavy. And like, I love that game, but it was very heavy. And just like to have this yeah. goofy thing where I'm it's, talking to a it's, gorilla. It's the opposite yes. of it, really. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's also not very long. Like I think a regular casual playthrough, if you've never played it before, I think it will take six to eight hours, something like that. So it's, so it's an average length yeah. adventure game. And mostly it's, because of yeah. the walking around. I mean, it's yeah. not because you're stuck on all these puzzles. It's just, you're just constantly moving around and picking something up. And Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of dialogue as well, as you were saying, with all the mm. dialogue trees. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun to play through casually, just <laughs> silly around. And it, it yeah. doesn't feel like you re- really get bogged down unless, unless you were happen to really get stuck on a puzzle. But I don't think the puzzles are that difficult. If you if you keep walking around and trying to to get items and and use them in places, you'll you'll catch on eventually. I think. Yeah, and also there are lots of walkthroughs, and and you know you yeah. can look on UHS or whatever and, and yeah, get hints really easily. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At this point, it's <laughs> it's certainly not a mystery anymore. The game. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. And yeah, I think you mentioned before that like the age group. You, I think you were like 12 when you played it. I think why I initially bounced off of it in 2004, I was like, I don't know, 15, 16 when I originally uh, played it. And I think that's when you transition to yeah, the age where it's just this like... This is for kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is for babies. I'm not a... I'm a cool kid. I'm not a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I almost had this like opposite reaction where, yeah, I didn't like at the time. And like for like when we we're going into this month. I was like, Oh, I don't know if, because I just remembered not really being into it. Hmm. And then, you know, now I enjoyed it and would be happy to recommend it to people. But yeah, it was, it was nice. It was a nice surprise. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I think, is there anything else that people wanted to say about this game? Not really. I feel like oh, we've said oh. a lot, and yeah. <laughs> it's it's been okay. a pretty good chat. I, I mean, we could we could talk about some specific story stuff a bit more, but I feel like we've already touched yeah, on a lot. Yeah. And just at this point, if you, if you're if you're interested to speak by what we've uh, talked about, like we haven't spoiled everything, so just go and play it yourself. No, and I don't think it's a game that really matters too much. No, if something like we're, <laughs> we weren't spoiling specific puzzles, it's just a goofy little. I mean, you. Like when you go into the game, you, you're not expecting like any, like there isn't going to be like this giant plot twist or anything. It's just a, a lightweight mm-hmm. yeah. action story thing. It's fun. Exactly. All right. All right. And so I guess, yeah. So this month we are starting Riven, um, the, I think, 1997 game by cyan that uh the sequel to mist um so if you're interested in that come join us um uh so i guess uh where can we all find like what you're doing now like uh, jeremy hi uh yeah so i don't know i'm on the internet generally as spindly q which is spindly with an e between before the Y for some reason. I don't know why I misspell the word spindly, but that's that's my handle. Um <laughs> I'm generally hang out on Mastodon and uh I have a Twitter account that will redirect you to my Mastodon. I don't use it for posting anymore. But uh Okay. It's where you can find Amy, me. Where, okay. Awesome. And Amy, where can people find you? Uh I think I would primarily direct people towards my Twitch channel. Uh, twitch.tv slash summerbee76 uh, summer or summerbee or sem- summerbee76 is also the nickname I go by online but yeah I haven't been streaming a whole lot in the past month or two because just life but I do plan to get back into it a bit more this summer play some more uh, Leisure Suit Larry and other fun adventure games um, some retro some modern I always kind of switch it up I also I haven't that in stone full yet, but I, I have been planning to do a uh, long stream, not marathon, but just a long stream for charity later this summer. I think probably August, 
Uh, depends on when I have time and can properly plan it and whatnot. But yeah, as I said, it's going to be some leisure supply and some uh, other fun stuff for charity. I've done, like, I, I've organized some charity uh, marathon streams before with uh, adventure, commu- adventure game communities where we did some fun challenges. Like, <laughs> I, I allow people to uh, donate uh, to... Uh, choose pizza toppings for a pizza that I'm, I would then have to order and eat, <laughs> which was the pizza of doom because it was just horrible. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> it, it had, what, what did it all have? Barbecue sauce, uh, pineapple, calamari, oh my um, God. olives. Yeah, just, it, it did not work. It was, it was absolutely <laughs> horrendous. And I, I, I'm going to do uh, some similar stuff to that again. So it's just going to be a fun, <laughs> a wacky time as usual on my Twitch stream. And then I'm also on Twitter uh, as SummerBird76 there. Yeah, you can just find me around social media. Um, but yeah, check out my Twitch. <laughs> is what I would say. Okay, awesome. And then more time. Um, I think the the main thing I'm doing right now is uh, being the host of DOS Game Club, which is uh, a club just like Adventure Game Club, but <laughs> we focus on. I ripped on... it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, uh, we did not come up with the concept of a club. I mean, it's a, it's <laughs> essentially a book club anyway. Uh, but yeah, DOS Game Club. We focus on DOS games, uh, games running on MS DOS. So that's PC games from the 80s and 90s mostly. Uh, do a different game every month. Um, this month we've just started on The Last Express, which is fun because that's also an adventure game, so there's some overlap. But uh, next month we're doing Eye of the Be- Beholder, for example, and we've just done things like Mech Warrior and Quake in the past. So, you know, we do all the DOS games. That's what we do. And people can check them out on dosgameclub.com, which is our website. So, okay. Awesome. I just wanted to mention quickly, since uh, I kind of got to shout out my my game that I'm doing, Who Field, I also want to shout out that Martin, he isn't working on a game right now, as far as I'm aware, but he is doing music. And he made a great song for a Eurovision uh, kind yes. of parody <laughs> event recently, Moral Vision, where he, he, he made a, a Dutch song about peas, and it was just delightful <laughs> definitely check out moral vision on youtube and look at all the songs but also look at my song yeah yeah exactly <laughs> we'll link to that <laughs> um <laughs> awesome and then you can follow this club at i, I guess I, we'll put a link to the discord invite and i'm um, also on twitter at advent game club uh just short for adventure game club um yeah and i think that's it for this episode uh thank you so much for joining us thank you for hosting yeah yeah thank you you. it's been fun thank you okay well uh bye everyone bye bye have a good one 